a Friday night. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your spirit this morning. Thank you for this time of praise and worship, this time of giving to you. And now, Lord, we just ask you to open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to receive your word. Father, we ask that you would be welcome, Holy Spirit, in this place to move, to transform, to speak, to break down walls, to change lives, Father, online and in this place. And Lord, that your name would be glorified and edified in this place. And we ask these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said boldly, Amen. 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 Well, I want you to get your Bibles open to the book of Matthew. And all those that are online watching, we welcome you, and we welcome all of you that are here in this 11 o'clock service. And I've got a message this morning the Lord put on my heart that I really believe is going to be beneficial to you, and it's going to help you, and it might answer some questions. How many in this place, since you believed, have noticed that friends and family might act a little different with you now that you're saved? How many, how many have noticed something different with your family and your friends? I see some hands that are going up of brand new converts. They're already seeing something happen, right? So I want to talk this morning about where, who are your friends and who is your family. Okay, who are your friends and who is your family? Because what happens is when you get saved, the Bible says that you come out of darkness into his marvelous light. How many know darkness and light cannot exist in the same place? And so there is an automatic battle that happens between light and darkness. Here's the awesome thing, though. Light always wins. Amen? Do you all realize light always wins? It can be pitch dark in this building, and when we turn the lights on, no matter how dark it is, light comes on, and the darkness flees. And so the good news is we serve a God who is a God of victory, like we sang today, and light's always going to win over darkness. But when you come out of darkness and into light, there's a battle that happens. So I want to talk about friendships, and I want to talk about family this morning, and I'm going to read you some scriptures that are going to be very straightforward, and they're going to maybe prick you in your heart, but I want you to know, and, and I, I've kind of failed to say this in the first service because I, I didn't want the message to come across. I want the message to come across strong, but I didn't want it to come across in a way where you didn't get the gist of it was that if you're living for the Lord, you're going to have conflict in your life. You're going to have conflict with your family and your friends. And that sounds weird because we think kumbaya and we should all get along and God's a God of peace and God's a God of love and all those things that we hear and he is all that but the bottom line is that there's a conflict that happens because if you're taking notes I want you to write this down the gospel is a collision of souls it's a collision of souls and before we came to Jesus we were in darkness and how many know when you come out of darkness into light the devil's mad. He's not happy with losing people. He's not happy with losing you to, to Jesus. And so there's, there's a, a battle between flesh and blood that goes on. And I'm hoping by the time this is over, I'm going to answer some questions that you might have because you might be thinking, why, why is my family mad at me? Or why do my friends not talk to me? Or why do I not want to talk to my friends? Or why is, is it that we're not getting along like I thought? Or how come they're not happy that I'm saved? How come they're not like excited that I don't go do drugs anymore? How come they're not excited that I'm not showing up drunk to the house? 
Sure, you would think automatically they'd be like, hey, good job, way to go, glad you changed your life. But it, it doesn't happen because there's a battle going on between flesh and blood and spirit and light and darkness. Now here's another one I don't have in my notes, but I just want you to write it down because this is important to think about. This is one of the reasons you begin to find new fan, family and friends when you get saved. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good character have you ever heard you are who you hang out with the people that you hang out with are are you can i can tell you who you are by who your friends are amen and don't worry i'm not i'm not offended that you're not saying amen anything it was the same way in the first service this is just one of the how many know sometimes too that we don't have to have a message where there's a bunch of amens and shouting and hallelujah because sometimes the message is just really speaking to our spirit and it's just, it's just, it's just, we're taking it in. Amen? So don't worry. I'm not, I'm not worried that you're not getting excited or saying amen. But I, I know that fruit will come out of this message. So I used to tell my daughters growing up, and especially when they went to high school, I, I ingrained it in them, and I told them, when you get around somebody, you're always going to be influencing them or they're going to be influencing you. When two people are together, there's an influence. One person is influencing the other. And, and church, we are called to be the influencers as believers. Light is supposed to influence darkness. Light is supposed to push out darkness. And so it, there, there's a call on our lives to be that person that influences the other. But some of you might not be to the place yet where you have gotten maturity in God where you can be the influence. Some of you might be in this place, you might be watching online, and you're still an immature Christian. You're still learning, and you're growing, and you are easily influenced. How many know we should not be so easily influenced? And some people, unfortunately, in the Christian world are like geckos. They, are, they become who they hang out with. I used to see it all the time on the basketball court here in, in, in Costa Rica too, but here when I came back and we started to play pickup games and where I met Brian and David and Dwayne on the basketball court. But where, if someone, if someone you, you, would, you, you, you knew that they had proclaimed to be a Christian in conversation with them, but when they got around other people and other people were cussing, they'd cuss. Other people fight, they'd fight. Other people talk about girls, they'd talk about girls. And, and it's just, they're just so easily influenced. God is looking for some people today in 2021 who could care less what anybody else thinks about them but God. And that was a good place to say amen and get excited. Amen? He's looking for some people who will stand alone and say, I'm going to serve God no matter what. Now, let's look at Matthew chapter 12, and I'm going to give you a reason why this is called Who Are Your Friends and Who Is Your Family? I want to stop on this first verse and read this, and, or first couple of verses, and go slow on this. It says, while he was still talking to the multitudes, this is Matthew 12, 46. Behold, his mother and brothers stood outside, seeking to speak with him. Now, watch this next verse. And one said to him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside. So picture this place so packed we can't move. There's a multitude at both doors, and someone comes and says to Jesus, your mom and your brothers are outside, and they're looking to speak with you. That's, how many know that's not weird? That's normal. Hey, Jesus, your mom and your brothers want to talk to you. Family, watch what Jesus says. But he answered and said to the one who told him, this is a powerful statement, who is my mother 
and who are my brothers? Now leave that there for a second. That, that's an interesting answer. Jesus doesn't know who his mom is? Jesus doesn't know who his brothers are? Of course he does. But he makes a strong, powerful statement right here that should speak to us as believers. He says, who are they? And then he answers it with this answer. And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples. And some of those disciples were his brothers. And said, here are my mother and my brothers. Here is my family. Here are my friends. And who are my family and who are my friends? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother and my brother and my sister. Whoever does the will of my Father. So Jesus himself, yes, he had a mother. Yes, he had brothers. Yes, he had friends. He said, the only people I hang out with, the only people that I want to be around, the only people that I consider my family and my friends are those who do the will of my Father. And there's something to learn from that, church, because God is not calling us to be out of the world because we're in this world, but he's calling us to not be of it. We're in the world, but we're not of it. Amen? We live in this world, and we're called to be an example to those who are in darkness, but we are going to see in our lives, and this is closely, as you begin to put Jesus first in your life, and the more you put Jesus first in your life, you are going to have conflict with your friends and conflict with your family, and most of the time, your friends, friends, right, friends in quotation marks, friends, the thousand you have on Facebook or the thousand you wish you had on Facebook, Amen? That aren't real friends. Those friends are going to be less and less because it's hard to find a true friend. A true friend. And a lot of times the people you consider friends are not going to be, listen, if you're living right and doing it right, they're not going to want to hang out with you anymore. When I first got saved, my very best friend all through high school, he liked basketball and played basketball, but he didn't play on the team. And he was my biggest fan and when I got saved in college, and he, he wanted me to go to college just like I did, and he wanted me to go to the NBA, and he was, he was, he was my best friend. We, he trained with me, and he, he cheered me on. He went to my games. And, and, and when I got saved and I went and told him I'm leaving basketball to go in the ministry, he said, I don't want to be your friend anymore because that's ridiculous, that's stupid, and, I don't, and this is just a phase you're going through. And he said, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, if you're going to give up your dream over that, I don't, I'm not your friend. And guess what? I just passed over 28 years of being in the phase. Amen? It's been a long phase. And I haven't come out of it. I'm still in it. I came out of darkness and into the light, and my friend stayed in the darkness. And the last time I saw a picture of him, he looked like death warmed over. Skin and bones drug addict. Lost. Lost. I've tried to reach out to him. I've tried to... Uh, you know, talk to him and plant seeds, and, but he's lost. He went one direction, and I went the other. You have to make a personal decision. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not saved for you, and I'm not saved for anybody else. I'm saved for me so that I can make heaven my home. I want to go to heaven. Does anybody want to go to heaven? Does anyone want to spend eternity in heaven? Amen. So, so there's some decisions we begin to make, and, and what happens is you might think, okay, God, Jesus made a real bold statement there. My brothers and my sisters and my family are the ones who do the will of God. So we would say, well, what's the will of God? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you three things, 
This doesn't mean this is everything. There might be some other things, but these are the three, what I consider biblically the most important things that you do to, to be in the will of God. He says, I, the, my family, my friends are the ones who do the will of the Father. Number one is simply obey his commands. How many know that as a parent, the most important thing you want as a parent is your kids to listen to you? Simply obey me. Simply do what I ask you to do, right? Any employer just wants their employees to do what they just to do the job. God says, just, just obey me. And Jesus says these words, real simple words in John 14, verse 15. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. See, but what we have today, church, and I hope it's not in this place, in this world of Christianity, is we have a lot of people who talk. But don't live it. And, and let me just put this out right now so you'll have it for the rest of the service in your mind. If you are listening to me right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to separate this into two groups right now. If you're listening to me right now, and as I talked about friends and family, and you are a believer, you say you are a believer, but since you believed, you have not had any conflict with friends or family, I question if you're living for the Lord. Let me just put you in that group right now. If you're like, man, oh, my friends are oh, we're good. We hang out. My family, good, no problem. I question if you're living for the Lord. And I question it from the Bible, not because I'm judging you. Because of what we're going to see and what we just saw. You might not be doing the will of God. Because when you begin to do the will of God, there's conflict. And there it got quiet. I was waiting for it. You guys were all excited and everything. I knew at some moment it was going to die down. But you guys went further than the first service. Number two, the will of God. Living a life of holiness and sanctification to God. That is the will of God. What I do when I live a life of sanctification and holiness to God is I tell God, I don't just say I love you, I show you I love you. Because I'm going to accept that sacrifice you made on the cross that was mentioned at the offering, and I'm going to live my life in a holy way that is acceptable to you. And I'm going to do the very best in my very best ability to stay away from this world. Because I'm not of this world anymore. And watch what Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says. And do not be conformed to this world. If you think like the world, act like the world, talk like the world... It's think, smell like the world, you are not living for Jesus. There has to be a separation. There has to be fruit. And that is why, for all of you that are seeing conflict in your family and seeing friends that don't want to hang out with you anymore and all those things, it's because you're living a certain way that is conflicting with their lifestyle. And it's probably convicting them. And so they don't want to be around you anymore. If you're doing it right. If you're being a chameleon and you're just fitting in and, and you're just doing whatever goes. And, and you, it, but at the same time, I know that we're all in a process too. Everybody's in different places of maturity and learning. But when you begin to make decisions and you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit, He says, don't be conformed to this world anymore. You're, you are of the world, but now you're not in this world anymore. The Bible says we are not of this world. And He says... By the renewing of your mind, we need to think different. We need to think different. Talk different. Act different. Walk different. 
now that our minds are being controlled, not by the devil, but by God, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, here's what sanctification is. I said number two is living a life of holiness and sanctification. An example would be, as you begin to hear the word of God, now you're accountable. Do you realize that every time you come to church, you are more accountable to the word of God? If you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Let me back out. It's too late. It's too late. Every time you hear a message, now you're accountable for what you know. But people come in, and we see it all the time, and glory to God for it. The example of just a marriage. Just a marriage. You come in, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and convict you, and you're living together in sin. You're living together in fornication. You don't even know what it's called. You haven't ever even thought about it. But the Word of God begins to be preached, and the Holy Spirit begins to deal with you. And all of a sudden, you think about marriage, but you never thought about it in your life because the Bible's speaking to you and because you've come out of darkness into the light. And now you're beginning to transform your mind not to what you want, but what God wants. And all of a sudden, you get something in your spirit that says, I need to get married. I can't keep living in sin like this. There's just a simple example. And that goes on to all kinds of things. And so as you learn it, then you are responsible for it. The Bible says that sin is knowing what to do is right and not doing it. That's sin. And so when the Holy Spirit convicts you of something and he begins to deal with you on something, you need to make a choice. And a lot of times, church, we need to draw a line in the sand. And we need to say, you know what? I used to do this, but I don't do it anymore. And when you draw that line in the sand, you're going to have conflict with your family. Your family and your friends are going to think, oh, you think you're better than me, don't you? And you're going to say, no, I just want to go to heaven. I'm not better than you. Matter of fact, I'm worse than you. But I'm just accepting the grace of God. And God is working in my life. And he's changing my life. And you can have the same peace and the same joy as I have if you'll just surrender to God. He'll change you too. But I'm not better than you. I've just found the grace of God. And now I'm thankful because he took my place on the cross and I'm going to live the rest of my life doing what sanctification is, which is in the Greek, hagiosmos, which is to set apart. To set apart. That means my body, my mind, my spirit, my actions, my thoughts are set apart to God. I don't do the things I used to do. I don't go the places I used to go. I don't say the things I used to say. I don't think the way I used to think. And listen, church, it is a process. Amen. The forgiveness is immediate, but the process of that is a a time period that depends on how much you surrender. So the devil's over there, and God's over here. And when we're in darkness, we're over here in darkness, we're lost. We get saved, and we turn. That's what repentance is. We turn from our wicked ways, and now sanctification is every day, every day, I should be walking closer and closer to God closer and closer to sanctification and what i don't do church is i don't look back because jesus said keep your hand to the plow and don't look back because if you look back you're not worthy of my kingdom here's the problem today too many people claim to be believers but they're still more in love with the world than they are with god they they, they're they're being pulled they're like and I, I really like this, I like this God thing, I like this salvation thing, but man, that's sin. And they're pulled by it, and they love it more, and, and the truth is, some go back. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, 
and lose your soul. Some people, it happened in the Old Testament over a bowl of soup. Some people are going to lose their salvation because they can't get control of their eyes. Because they can't get control of their mind. They can't get control of their mouth. They can't get control. They're going to lose their salvation, and they're going to get to heaven and think, I missed God, I missed eternity over that, over what the Bible calls it, is a temporary time of fulfillment. Very temporary. Everything on this earth is temporary. So number two is to be holy. That's a whole other message in itself and sanctified. And number three is to love people and preach the gospel. You know, we, I didn't mention this in the first service, but we have the, this virus. And beyond the virus, how about cancer? If we, if we knew the, the, the cure, if you had the cure to cancer this morning, if someone shared with you the cure to cancer or this virus or whatever you want to put there, can you imagine not sharing it with the whole world? We have the antidote to sin. We have the, we have the antidote. We have the vaccine to sin. And it's Jesus' blood. We need to spread it to the whole world. Jesus says in Mark 16, 15, Go into all the world and preach my gospel to every creature. Amen. That's, that's the will of God. That's the will of God. So, so d- obeying him, just, just doing what he said, every day sanctifying that 1% we talk about, 1% more in love with Jesus, 1% less in love with this world every day, every day. And if you start to pull back the other way and go back the other way, make some decisions, cut some friends off, make, make some harsh decisions, and sometimes you won't even have to because they won't want to be around you anyways, and that's what you're seeing. You've got to cut some ties with some people. I knew that as much as I loved that friend of mine and we had good times together, I knew that me and him were heading in a different direction. Some of you are just going to be heading in a different direction. We just have to realize as much as we want this whole world to be saved, not everybody's going to answer the call. That doesn't mean we don't try. But the bottom line is some people just are going to be hard-headed and they're going to go to hell. How how, how many know that's sad? But we're going to do our very best to rescue as many as we can. Now watch this. When you do these things, when you obey his commands, when you sanctify your life and live a life of holiness, and when you preach the gospel, I promise you, guarantee you, you are going to find out who your family and your friends are. You're going to find out who your real friends are and who your family is. Who are your friends? Who is your family? We are part of the family of God. What you're starting to realize, many of you have already realized, and others are starting to realize, is this is your family now. It's not a cult. It's not a cult. Don't call it a cult because that's the kingdom of God. And you're part of a family that, you, uh, that 99% of them you're not even going to meet until you get to heaven. There's family all over the world. And, and so for us, it's extra cool this morning to know that in our fellowship, as, as, as small as our fellowship is, although it reaches the world, we know the pastors in Czech Republic. We know the pastors in Slovakia. We have the pastors from Africa come preach here. We, we know that in Mexico, our brothers and sisters are over there, and down in Costa Rica, and up in Canada, and all around the United States. We have family, amen, that we've never had before in the gospel. And now we're doing the same thing and we're on the same page. 
But watch, watch, watch what happens when you begin to make those decisions. And this is going to be confirmation for some people, especially in the end times. Look at Matthew chapter 24. That's, remember, if you're still learning the Bible, that Matthew chapter 24 is an end times chapter. It talks about what the world's going to look like before Jesus comes back. Let me just throw this in, this in there before we read this real quick. Jesus and the rapture and the return of Jesus Christ and the imminent at any moment return of Christ should be the reason we do everything. The reason we preach the gospel, the reason we live a holy life, and the reason we love people is because Jesus can come back today. Today. Now. He can come back. Some of you, some of you live life in such a way you pray it comes on a Sunday. While you're in church. Amen. Amen. Just, I'm just being real. Don't live that way. Don't live that way. Because this church ain't going to save you. This building's not going to save you. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is what's going to save you. Amen. And we're going to get to that in a second, by the way. Matthew 24, verse 10. Watch this. Many will be offended. We're not looking for it. We're not chasing a fight. We're not trying to offend people on purpose, but your life will offend people. If you're living a life unto God, your life is going to offend people. Because it's light and darkness. Oil and water, they don't mix. They, they, as much as they come together, they don't mix. And he says, this is Jesus' word, many will be offended, and many will betray one another and hate one another. We're seeing that today, aren't we? But here's one of the biggest problems and biggest reasons, this next verse. Here's one of the biggest reasons why we have so much lukewarmness, why we have so many people who don't live it, because we have a bunch of false prophets, false teachers, people who are, are preaching to itching ears, people who are more concerned about how much money's coming in the church, or if they say something that would offend someone that comes to church that makes a lot of money or, or tithes good or gives good, that if they say something that might offend them, maybe they know their child's dealing with some kind of sexual orientation or, or they're dealing with something and the pastor, the pastor is afraid to preach the gospel and there's false prophets who are going to have to answer to God one day. And they're more concerned about answering to people in the pews than answering to the holy God. That's not us. We're going to answer to God. Amen. We're going to preach the truth as it is. And if you're really living for God, you're going to sit there and say, give it to me, please. Because I believe, as I said at the altar call in the first service, this generation wants the truth. We live in a society, in a government, in a world where you don't even know what the truth is anymore. And so the world is sick of being told lies. And I believe there's a hunger in people for truth. Give me the truth. Many will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end will come. That gospel's being preached, amen? Who's your family? Who are your friends? Who do you think are your friends? How many know on that Facebook you have, if you have 50 friends, probably five of them are real? Amen. Real friends. Matthew chapter 10. Let me push through this. This is where it gets deep. This is where it gets heavy. We think of Jesus. The world thinks of Jesus. Take that back off for one second. The world thinks of Jesus 
in a certain way because they want him to be a certain way. And that's exactly what was the problem the first time he came. We were talking about that the other day. Man, we were, I was talking to someone about this the other day. We, we talked about how the Jews missed Jesus the first time because they were looking for him to be a king. They were looking for him to ride in on a horse. He's going to ride in on a horse, but let me give you some good gospel news this morning. We're going to ride in on those horses behind him. Hallelujah. We're going to come in on those horses behind him. Oh, that was way better than what you just clapped, but that's okay. I'm excited. He's going to come in on a horse. But he's coming the second time that way. The first time he came in on a donkey. And that donkey symbolized peace. But it wasn't a peace that the world thought was going to bring. And so they pictured Jesus a certain way. And if you talk to anybody and witness to anybody, what they do is they quote him from different things, but they don't quote all of them. Well, Jesus, God is love, and Jesus this, and, and they'll quote him, but they don't take the whole verse. Let me just show you a verse that will shake you to your core right here. Matthew chapter, was it 10? Watch this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father. Now, stay with me. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. A daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. There will be conflict in your home when you begin to make stands for Jesus. It is not saying in this scripture that Jesus wants division and he's happy when these riots happen because they're not happening for the right reason anyways. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you begin to make a stand for him, it is going to divide. When you begin to say, I don't care, listen, and I'm online, I don't care how popular it is, sexual orientation is between a man and a woman. Homosexuality is not of God. Transgender is not of God. All of those things are not of God. It is a one man and one woman in marriage. That's, and if you're afraid to say that, then you're not saved. Can I get a better amen? It's a sin. And so is fornication. And so is adultery. And so is stealing. And none of those people are going to be in heaven, the Bible says. None of them will inherit the kingdom of God. So when you begin to say, make a stand and say, this is what the Bible says, not what I think, because you, people go, well, what do you think about this? And our problem is, is we like to give our opinion. We, people don't need our opinion. They need truth. We've been having opinions for a long time. And guess what that's getting us? I think this or I think that. Why don't we just be bold enough to say God's Word says. God's Word says. The Bible says. Thus says the Lord. And not try to sprinkle some sugar on it or sprinkle some pepper on it or sprinkle some salt. So it take, Just tell it like it is. In love. In love. In love. You do it in love. But many people aren't going to receive that because people don't want to get out of their sin. They're bound. They're, they're blinded. They're darkened. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to see the truth. And look what he goes on to say in the next verse. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who you know what that means? 
That means you're in that relationship and the Holy Spirit tells you to get out of that relationship if it's not a godly relationship or the Holy Spirit tells you to marry that person if it is a godly relationship and I just defined what that marriage relationship is, a man and a woman, and if anything outside of that is not God, you shouldn't be in it. And if you are a man and a woman and the Holy Spirit says to get married, but you say, well, I can't do this, I can't do what's right because you love that woman so much, you love them more than you love God. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. But, he says, he who finds his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. How many are willing to lay down your life for Jesus so that you can find eternal life in him? How many? Amen? Lay it down. Make Jesus Lord of your life. You're going to have to make some decisions, hard decisions. But God will always confirm it. I, I, I said this at the altar call this morning, but it's in my spirit right now, so I'll make sure I say it now. How many have seen the movie God's Not Dead? Let's see your hand. If you have not seen the movie God's Not Dead, especially if you are here and you are a new convert, go watch it today. I believe it's on Netflix and YouTube. It's free. I think there's several places you can watch it. Go watch it today. Powerful movie. And I'm going to kind of spoil it for you, but not totally. But in it, two people give their lives to the Lord, and one is a person who's from a Muslim family, and another person is from an atheist, just agnostic, no God at all family, from a Chinese man. And both of these, this man and this woman, when they give their lives to the Lord, they are totally banished from their families. But we live in America. And we don't see that kind of persecution directly. But what you're seeing in your house when, when things aren't peaceful around Christmas time or Thanksgiving or, or people don't want to hang out with you or they don't want you to come over because you don't drink anymore or you don't smoke anymore or you don't do the things you used to do or you don't ja laugh at their jokes anymore. There's conflict in the family because light and darkness are being separated. And so it's normal, Jesus says. He says it's normal. It's going to happen. And that's the verses that I'm reading to you. How many give me just a few more minutes? 1 John chapter 3. Look at this. Here's what we can have if we keep his commandments. It's always promises. God's always got promises. He says, whatever we ask. How many are like that? Whatever we ask, we receive from him. Because we keep his commandments. Leave this up there for a second. And do not do the things, sorry, do the, and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We're made in God's image. God is a father. As parents, when your kids are listening and obeying and doing what you ask them to do, you'll give them anything. Anything. Anything you can give them, you will give them. And God is the same way. He says, I'll answer you. I'll bless you. I'll pour out good things on you. I'll give you whatever you ask as long as you're obeying my commands and doing what's pleasing in my sight. But if you're not doing what's pleasing in my sight and you're not obeying my commands, you're a rebellious kid and you need to be spanked. Amen. So he says, I don't want to give you anything. So sometimes we ask and ask and ask, and, and God's saying, I want to do that, but I need you to line up with my words and obey me. Amen. Just obey. 
Obedience goes a long way. We don't have that in our, in, our, in, our, in our fabric of our country anymore, but obedience goes a long way. Just doing what you're supposed to do. Say this with me. Do the right thing. How many of there's still a right thing? Although we've lost our moral, matter of fact, the moral compass has been destroyed. But not in the church. Not in the Bible. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No matter how much our nation changes, God's word doesn't change. How many are thankful for that this morning? God's word doesn't change. It's the same. But if you're doing these things, there's going to be conflict. Now I'm going to end with the heaviest verse. I haven't got to the heaviest one yet. Matthew 7. Watch this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So he says, this ain't going to work. Lip service, not going to work. We're not that different, are we? Are we that different as people? Don't we get tired of hearing things? Don't we get to a place where we go, I don't believe you anymore. You've told me that a million times, but I don't see it. God's the same way. He says, this isn't going to work. I got to see it. He says, by your fruits you'll be known. And he said, if you don't bear fruit, I'll cut you off the tree. So church, this is where the soberness comes in. And we say, God, please don't let me be that person. But who's going to go to heaven? goes back to the first word. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Guys, we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. There's going to be times we don't do everything right. But it's a heart thing. Are you truly trying to live for the Lord? Are you truly hating sin and loving God? Are you truly trying to set yourself apart? Or are you just playing around with things and messing around with things and playing games with God and and trying to have your cake and eat it too and love a little bit of the world, love God too? If you're doing all that, you're not going to make it. You're going to be that one that when the trumpet sounds and the rapture happens, you're going to be that one that's going to have your heart failing you for fear because you're here and your family members are gone. It's truth, church. And that could happen today. Now watch what it goes on to say. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And here's going to be some of the scariest words ever spoken in the history of the world. And I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, and here's why, practice lawlessness. So it's not talking about the mistake you make or you fail here or fall here, or the anger, and Lord, forgive me for saying that, forgive me for saying It's practicing sin. It goes back to the example I gave you earlier. You're in a mess, you're in a sermon, and the Holy Spirit speaks and says, You're living together with your, your girlfriend, and you need to get that, you need to sever that relationship, or you need to make it right and get married. And you don't, and you keep living in it, and you keep practicing lawlessness. You're not going to go when the rapture happens. Are you listening to me? You're lying about something. You're, you're in a situation where you're lying and you're lying and you're lying. You're caught up in a lie. You're in a situation where you're bound to pornography and you, just, you can't stop looking at it. All these things that you're practicing is going to keep you from being ready. Because he said, if you do my will, you're in. If you practice lawlessness, I don't know you. So it goes back to us living a life It's separated unto God. Can I get an amen? And he says, 
Again, in Matthew 12, I want to repeat that right before we pray. Back to the very first. Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? He said, these. How many want God to point at you and say, these are my disciples? These are my brothers and my sisters. That's my family right there. Amen? We don't want to be the ones who are lining up outside and we're in line and we're like, yeah, I know, man. I went to church and this and that. And we get in and he goes, who are you? Who are you? We don't want to hear that. We want to hear Jesus say, he's with me. She's with me. They put their faith in me. They lived for me. They died for me. They sacrificed for me. They, they followed my commands to the very best of their ability. And Jesus is going to say, enter in, good and faithful servant. Amen. Those are the words we want to hear, church. Enter in, good and faithful servant to all the things that he's prepared for those who love him and those he loves. The Bible says he's gone to prepare a place. That where he is, we could be also. Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father, all over this place, I feel your presence. I feel your Holy Spirit. I know you're working on us. You're working on me. You're working on our hearts. You're working on our, our thought life. You're working on our sanctification, God. You're working on our relationship with you. And God, you, you chastise and discipline those you love. And so you speak to us and you say, hey, that's not right. Get that right. And you give us a chance to repent and to make it right. And you're faithful to forgive us when we confess our sins. But God, also, we also realized this morning that the reason our friends have dropped off and the reason people don't want to hang out with us and the reason there's conflict in our family is because we're doing the right thing. We're making a stand for you. And, and God, that makes people mad because light and darkness are fighting and battling and there's a collision of souls. And Lord, I pray this morning, my heart's desire is that not one person in this place, not one person watching online would ever hear those words, I never knew you. God, we want to hear those words, enter in, good and faithful servant. How many in this place, listening to the sound of my voice, listening to this message, all across this congregation could say, Pastor, I need you to pray with me today because today I need Jesus to come into my life. Today I need to make him Lord. Today I need to be saved and forgiven. I want to change. I want to come out of darkness into light. Just lift your hand up and put it right back down. I want to come out of darkness into light. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? That's me. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I want to come out of darkness into light. Maybe you're watching online. We can't see your hand, but God sees your hand. We're going to pray a salvation's prayer in a moment. We're going to ask Jesus to take over our lives, and we're going to become part of the family of God. But God is dealing with hearts this morning. Maybe you're, maybe you're here and you know God, you know of God, but you're in rebellion right now. You're bound to something and you think, I can't stop doing this. But the truth is, you're not exercising self-control. God gave us self-control. And you are allowing that temporary fulfillment to put your eternity in danger. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Let the Holy Spirit prepare your heart and, and get, get a hold of your heart. Let it hurt now so it can be good later. Let the conviction be clear. 
Where there's some relationships you need to sever. Some relationships that are being ungodly influences in your life and you're not strong enough to be able to be the influences. You need to get away from that for a while. And hang around people that are strong and hang around people that are going to be a godly influence and help you make godly decisions. And there'll be a time down the road, down the, in the future, where you'll be able to be strong enough to be light to them. And you'll be able to, to be influence on them. But right now, you need to get around people in small groups and discipleships and prayer meetings and, and gatherings outside of just regular services even and, and just begin to learn how to sanctify yourself and how to set yourself apart and how to make godly decisions. Because church time is short. Time is short. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone, the Bible says. Today is the acceptable day of the Lord. Today that trumpet could sound. And all chaos and craziness is going to break out in this world when the rapture happens. And if you've been in a service and your heart's not right, you're going to be so scared because you know you're going to be, no, you missed it. But you don't have to miss it. You can be saved right now. You can put your faith in Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. How many more would say, I need to do that right now? I need to put my faith in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. How many more? I believe there's some people that need to make this decision watching online. I believe there's some people online that are backslidden. You're in danger right now. You need to get right. You need to change. You need to repent of some things. You need to make some decisions. Let's stand to our feet all across this place and stay in this attitude of prayer. I want to ask you to do one more thing. If you lifted your hand for salvation and you, and you want to give Jesus lordship of your life, you believe he died on the cross for your sins, and today you want to start a new, fresh beginning. You want to have a new life. I want to ask you to step out of your seat and come down to the, just find the nearest aisle and come down to this altar. We want to pray for you. Just quickly come. I'm not going to beg you or ask you again. I just want you to come. If you mean that, I want you just to come down to this altar and just stand right here. We're going to pray. Amen. Come on, church. Decisions are being made. Those that are watching online, we're going, to, we're going to say a prayer right now. Jesus, I love you. I'm learning that you love me more than I love you. You love me with a love I can't understand. I don't deserve your love, but I accept it. Thank you for preaching to me today. Speaking to me through your word. Giving me a chance to repent and to put my faith in you. Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose from the dead. And because of that, I'm saved. You took my place. Wash me clean right now with your precious blood, that perfect blood that you shed on the cross for my sins. I give you my life, my mind, my heart, my thoughts, 
I give you everything. I surrender. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And from this day forward, help me live for you. Help me make godly decisions. Help me to love you more than I love this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for that this morning. Just give him praise.